Well, hello and welcome to another edition of The Word Podcast with Jeff and Robin Pruitt. So glad that you have joined us today. Honey, how are you doing today? I am doing yeah? I'm doing great. I mean, uh, this, this time change, and I know it gets darker earlier, um, but there is something about waking up in the morning and it's sunny. Yeah. I didn't like waking up in the morning and it was still dark out. So the time change, I'm, I'm happy about. But the about. switches now gets darker at night. And then when people get off of work sometimes, because yeah. it will get dark around 4, 15-ish by, by the time yeah. in the middle of the winter. But we do get Christmas. So it's, a, it's, it's, I didn't I know think it it's an even trade. No, I'm just saying when you get, it's dark early, but that means it's Christmas time, which means we have our Christmas well, yeah. lights up. Well, which, we have Thanksgiving to go you know. through first. We got to get through Thanksgiving. Oh, that's true. Then it goes into Christmas and then into the New how Year's. Many, how many of you, uh, let me see down below, how many of you decorate for Christmas before Thanksgiving? Wow. Um, if you do, say before, um, if you're the type that you wait until after Thanksgiving, put after. I'm really curious. We used to be... Um, the, the day, day after Thanksgiving, because yeah. we always get a live tree, and right. then um, and then I'm running like a dog, just trying to get all the Christmas stuff put up in like one day because you know we want to celebrate. You got a tree, so mm -hmm. now you need everything else. And then um, our daughter was like, "You guys should start. You know, mom, you should start decorating early. Everybody's doing it. You should." That's you know, kind of the new thing. A lot of people are decorating to do it like early, week two weeks before Thanksgiving now. Yeah. So, and I've done it the last couple of weeks because I was very much like, "No, I got my Thanksgiving, my fall decor. It's got to be you know, for Thanksgiving." I was but always surprised because even when I was a kid, we never decorated. Um, we had decorated early. Like my, my mom and dad would probably like right after Thanksgiving, somewhere on there, probably same in your household. But then there were some families, I was always kind of weird. And then like, almost like I wanted to do it was uh, they would actually get the tree. Thank, thank like um, Thanksgiving on uh, Christmas Eve night or day. And then they would put it up on that. I'm like, who? Those people are crazy people. But then they only, and then they have it for like a week who after. Who puts it up? I mean, because to me, that's it's so like, much it's like stress a, no, cause it's, a, it's a family thing. Yeah. They go and they do it together as a family. Maybe all out out, uh, yeah. out of towners come in, and it's like the lighting the but tree. Then you're doing all that work to put it up, and you're it's up for a week, and then you you know you take it down. That's what I'm saying. And most people do keep it. We we at least keep it one week, and we got we got we've had people in the neighborhood that keep it up all year long. Praise God. Yeah, <laughs> they never take. I'm a, I'm a New Year's Day. It's got to come down. But then yeah. I decorate. I call it my winter decor. And that is anything that's Christmassy goes away, but anything that's, you know, wintry, <clears throat> I'll keep that up and kind of have that look. So before or after, let me know, because I think I might do it before. I did it the last couple of years before Thanksgiving, and I think I'm becoming a before person. Well, let's like, I'm, I'm, hey, I love Christmas. So matter of fact, the last probably half a decade, you and I have talked about it. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, a little more sentimental. I'm not sure. But I really be really begin to enjoy Christmas and look forward to it. Normally, it was just to me another holiday. And we work we work a lot at the church with productions and stuff like that. That's really been my focus. But I really do enjoy um, family and getting together and, and Christmas and all that kind and of you stuff. And so. you, you've always, for years, you do the Christmas dinner. Yes, I do the Christmas so. dinner, and then um, I don't know if it switches out between Nick and Lib, but they pass all the presents. I can't remember what's – maybe Nick does it more often. I can't remember, but I gave that up a long time ago because you got to be on your knees for a long time, and I don't like that. <laughs> you guys go ahead and do it. I'm just as happy. And then people open presents. They say, thanks, Dad. And went, 
You're welcome. I have no idea what you got, but I'm glad you got it. Because she I does think, all the I think shopping. most men are that way. No, it's like a big joke. Yeah. It's like a big joke. So, well, anyway, today we're going to talk about um, one of the subject matters that has to do with church, but it can, to, it can have to do with your family. It can have to do with your job, a lot of different um, aspects of it. And we're going to talk about unity today. Right. Really, what I wanted to start out doing was talking about the three. I have three main destroyers of unity, what comes in to destroy the unity of the spirit, whether it be a church, your home, whatever. And uh, whether we get through all three today or not, I don't, I don't know, because I know we, we just talked about right before we got one on the air, it was like, I have no idea what you're going to say, you don't know what I'm going to say, so we'll just kind of play off of one another and see where this goes and let the Holy Spirit, we both have plenty of material, so we're going to let the Holy Ghost lead us today. And we hope you enjoy that because we do. We, we feel that's, that's always getting God's best. So the number one destroyer that I see at the top of my list, honey, is this, is, is pride. When people get in a form of pride, it, it, it changes everything. It literally can change the atmosphere. And how does God consider a prideful person? He considers them a fool, the Bible says, a fool whose end will lead to destruction. And if if allowed, uh, they can drag, drag everybody else around them down to destruction as well. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18. Let me give you a couple of verses here and we'll talk about them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before the fall. We've heard that many times before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Guaranteed, bottom line, is if we're walking in the area of pride, we're going to seize that person or ourselves fall. In other words, it's going to be a time in our life where what was working is not going to work. And um, in, in the fall can mean a lot of different things, but usually it means some form of destruction or loss. That happens. Um, Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride will bring him low. By the way, these are all things that will destroy unity. Right. A man's pride will bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in the in spirit. So the more honoring, re, honoring we are together of one another, the more the Bible says it will uphold things. But the more prideful that we are, the more it brings things down and everything else around us. Uh, Proverbs 8, 13. It says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, uh, pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the prideful mouth do I hate, says the Lord. So God's speaking here and allowing us to understand that when we fear him, we respect him, we have all reverence of all of God. Um, th this is something that God says, well, I'll, shows honor and I'll lift you up. But he says, I hate evil. I hate pride. I hate arrogant people, not people, but I hate arrogance of people, uh, the evil way. And I hate the prideful mouth. He said, these things I do hate. So we're God's making it very clear to all of us that when we're walking in pride, God says, I'm not with you. I'm actually going to have to work against you. I'm going to have to correct what's going on in your life, specifically as he speaks to his people. Pride is one of Satan's most powerful tools to separate the unity between God and man and the unity of the family of God in the household of God. Honey, nothing brings a church more woe, more problems. Uh, nothing stops a church more in its tracks towards its vision and its goals that God has given them than disunity. Right. And what does the devil, why does he bring disunity? Why does he do it? The Bible says this, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren, sister and two, all of us, to dwell together. Um, the Bible says um, in unity. 
Right. Dwell together in unity. Um, I think the word of God is putting it there because it's not always an easy thing, but we strive for unity above all else. Not that we all have the same thought processes or we, that we all um, have the same theology even or the same doctrine, but but in the, at the end of the day, we can still love each other. We can still be the family of God and still be walking in the same direction. Very, very important. So how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, it's like the oil that flows from Aaron's head to his beard and onto his, on his garments. The head is the head of Christ, the head of the church. The beard is the leadership in the body of Christ. It represents the maturity of the man. And then it drips down into the garment, which covers the rest of the body. So the anointing flows from the head down when we flow together in the spirit of unity. And you know, that scripture <clears throat> verse that you that you brought out, if you read the end of that uh, verse 3, and it mm-hmm. says, For there the Lord commanded the blessing... Bingo. Live forevermore. Yeah, that's great. So that anointing From that, that place is of unity. flowing, that place of unity, yeah. God says, I will command a blessing. The empowerment to prosper. That's right. Uh, in every area of your life. That's that's powerful, actually. Um, yes. So uh, we see this this reoccurring theme within recurring theme within scripture from Genesis to Revelation about God expressing how he wants to be unified. He wants us to be unified together. He wants to unify with his people. Matter of fact, Jesus said, uh, it's not over with guys. It's only just beginning. Yes, I have died. I've been resurrected. I'm going to ascend. He said, now here's your last instructions from me. Go into Jerusalem when you go there, find a room, and there tarry and wait until the Spirit of God comes, the Holy Spirit comes. And so 120 of them went to the upper room in the city and of Jerusalem. And when they were there, the Spirit of God came in like a rushing mighty wind, filled the place where they were sitting. The Bible said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But the Bible is very clear that before that happened, that massive event happened, which changed all of their lives, which birthed the church, because we know that right after that, Peter preaches this incredible message right there during the feast feast days uh, in Jerusalem to all these men. And the, the Bible says that 3,000 gave their lives to Jesus Christ that day. But the Bible says it wasn't until they were in unity. We said say that out. It means perfect flow. So in other words, they were they were all in one accord. They were all in unity, and then the Spirit came. The blessing was commanded. Then the anointing could flow from top to bottom. And we see it again throughout the scriptures. And, and even, honey, on the negative or the evil side of things, we can see it in the Old Testament where God says, I gotta break something up here. Right. He said, There's men that have evil thoughts. And they'll be able to do whatever's in their heart or whatever's in their mind because they are all in one accord. They're all in the spirit of unity. And that was over the Tower of Babel when they thought they could build a tower to God, not the God of heaven, but their own God. And and uh, God says they'll be able to do it unless I stop them. Of course, then it confuses the languages and and they all disperse throughout the, the earth. But uh, but it reminds us how powerful unity is because when we come together, good or bad, we can get a lot of things done. Right. And the root of pride is easily summed up with one word, and that's me. We start saying me this or my this or mine Obviously, that's not God's best. God's best is for all of us to come together in the spirit of unity all as one, or I've got this gifting, or I have this revelation, or I have this thought, or um, you feel like your information is more important to someone else's because it's you, yourself, and I kind of a thing. Um, that's that's one telltale sign of being in, in, in the spirit of pride. Uh, I'll make the statement, prideful people cannot be corrected or adjusted. 
Try it. It's very difficult. They don't hear you because they think that they know better than you. And one day you'll come up to that level. I know you and I've talked about many times about even small groups getting together or or little coffee clutches and things of that nature where people can think that, you know, their their way is the right way. Right. And and that's where if, you know, as we always put the word of God first, because if you are doing that, you see in the word of God that God is, God is an expansive God. God is a multiplying God. God is a growth God. God is not looking for, you know, just a bunch of little groups everywhere. What he is looking for is for the entire world to be touched and born again and Mm -hmm. set free. And we can't do that if everybody is, you know, so focused on, you know, just being very segregated because that's what the enemy wants to do. The enemy wants to keep us segregated. He wants Mm -hmm. to keep us apart from each other. He wants to keep us in pride. He wants to keep us, you know, only thinking like you were saying, just me or, you know, my, you know, my little group here. And we cannot be the church when we're focused on being that way. hundred percent. And the thing is, is that um, one of the things is that that, that, uh, on the telltale sign, it can be exciting to have um, a certain um, group of people that talk about a certain thing, whether it be the church or business, whatever, a certain way. But, and it's exciting because it's new, but when you start uh, downplaying other other people or other people groups or either, even other nationalities, uh, especially when it comes to church, other people within the house of God or the leadership of the church. When you start doing that kind of stuff, you are in the area of pride. Mm-hmm. You're, ba- you're basically saying, I know better than you know. And nobody, by the way, is past learning. Every single one of us have to grow and we have to learn. Um, what you said about, you know, the enemy's main objective is to split and divide, which I'll talk about if we get to it in a little bit, or you will, whoever, we'll see what the Spirit of God says here. But um, uh, I, I was watching Robin Bullock uh, this morning, and he was saying, you know, the enemy don't care. He, you know, he's trying to split us over, uh, over color of skin. That's what he's, he's done that for years and been trying to do it forever. And um, he says, and he said, it wouldn't matter if every single one of us looked exactly the same, had the same, same DNA, hair color, skin color, thoughts, uh, dreams, everything exactly the same. But if there's two pencils or pens that look different, he said, he'd divide us over that no matter what it is. Right. So diversity is actually a good thing and not a bad right. thing. It's a God thing. God's showing you, I'm diverse. I, I, I've got m- many different ways I can express myself to the world. And so... Um, and that's why Matthew 6, 9, you know, when Jesus taught us how to pray, it, it starts out, our Father. It doesn't say, you know, this color skin's Father. It doesn't say this, this ethnicity, right. you know, um, Father. It, sa- it just says the word, our Father, which art in heaven. That's how we're to pray. Right. And that brings unity. 100%. And then another area is too, self-preservation. I think when people get, like I've seen this over the years, you and I have sat down with people and we've had to correct certain things. Um, we've had um, good experiences, we've had bad experiences. And a lot of the bad experiences is because people get in the area of self-preservation and they just that they just, they just get defensive. They don't want to hear anything what they would think is they would term it as negative towards them or about them. And that's just not the case. Correction comes out of love. 
Correction comes out of the desire for order because anything that's out of order just can't work. So we have to keep that in mind. Pride's a, pride's a big, big deal. These next several verses will help us provide uh, with will help to provide with a deeper understanding of what God uh, thinks of humility. Uh, Proverbs sixteen nineteen. Uh, matter of fact, I'm just going to give a couple here. When pride comes, then comes shame. Pr- pretty basic and simple. But with with the lowly or the humble is wisdom. So the more humble we are, the more, you know, we, we don't try to puff ourselves up and be bigger than the rest or sit ourselves at the front of the crowd or have a title or whatever, uh, the more wisdom we actually possess. But with the pride, it ends up in shame. Um, First Peter, it says, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may be, that you may, uh, ex- that he may rather exalt you in due time. So God has a due time to exalt us, we just have to be patient and be humble. Our time is coming. But he says, I don't, he says, I'll give grace. I'll give, I'll give favor to the humble, but I will resist the proud. That means God actually begins to work against the proud. I can't have you on my team, is what he's saying. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, lion seeks, walks around seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, but the God of all grace, who has called us into eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And amen. In other, words, there, in other words, there's a favor that comes upon you where God establishes you forever when you walk in humility. Right. And, you know, um, Romans 12 I like this verse in the Passion Translation. It says, in the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with unique function. And it and so it is in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we're all, uh, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are vital, um, vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. And it reminded me of Ezekiel 37 when he, you know, um, you know, Ezekiel is shown that valley of dry bones. And the thing was, was that, you know, God was not saying, I want each individual bone to just stand up and just be an army on its own. The thing was, it Ooh, needs to come that's together. Really good, yeah. It can only function. <clears throat> it could only stand, and the Word of God talks about stand and be a vast army right. if they came together. And God's not saying, I need everybody to be elbows or I need everybody to be leg bones. I need everybody to be who I've called you mm, to be and who I good. created you to be. But I need you to come together because you cannot be a vast army. And again, you know, talking about it's not about, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, just being on your own. The enemy wants you to just be on your own, and that does not create a vast army. He needs all these these bones to come together so that the word of God can be prophesied over them, and they can stand and live and be that that um, creation that God needs us to be. Well, that, that's part, I never saw that like that before. That's incredible, and that goes that goes without saying. I mean, he, he even us in our own bodies, just like our own bodies, everything has to work together. And you know, when something's out of order and doesn't ha- is not unified, that's disunified in our own bodies. It 
causes a sickness. It right. causes a pain. It causes a disease. It causes a problem. It's never good when something's out of function or out of unity. And if we can look at unity that we're talking about in the household of God, in your house, your home, uh, on the job. Now, on the job is kind of hard because you don't always control your environment, but you can control where you're at, your your, your space, right? Um, is that when you when things are not functioning properly, in other words, um, God designed us for us to work together, and then we get the best. We're at an optimum level, but when we are falling apart, or there's if there's a pain, if there's a breakdown somewhere, there's disunity. Honey. Right. Somewhere it's a breakdown of, of our disunity with our conversation, communication, um, disunity in our attitude, disunity with the vision that is set forth that we all agreed upon, and now someone's going a different direction. Uh, disunity in instruction. I can go on and on and on. Right. Where there's a pain. Or a lack of flow somewhere, or there is a, or there's something that's in trouble. It's usually, almost always, the case of disunity. And um, the second thing that I found out in our study for this was that um, is in the uh, as far as breaking things down in, in unity, becoming an enemy to unity is rebellion. Rebellion, and, and of course, we can see pride absolutely. Right. is absolutely involved in, in rebellion because you're not rebellious without being prideful. Again, you're saying my thoughts, my opinions, my dreams, my goals, my whatever are higher than yours. Self-righteousness um, along with your self-preservation. It's saying I'm better, I'm greater. Um, the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, 23, it says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Well, the last part's a message by itself, but the first part of that, that scripture, rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft. God likens rebellion to witchcraft. You're operating now in the supernatural. You're operating within a soulish realm. Now you have a you have a body you li- you have a spirit you live in a body and you you have a soul. The soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Rebellion is the activation of the soul, honey. It's living in soul land. It's the flesh. It's the soul. It's saying my will, my mind, my will, and my emotions. I'm ruling those areas. And when you begin to rule those areas in the area of mind, the intellect, uh, in the area of your will, what you will do and what you will not do, and then your emotions, you know, you can emote a certain way or you're with your body language and you can destroy a whole atmosphere that uh, someone's trying to create. Maybe you're, um, you know, you got your arms folded, whatever, you're you're emotional about somebody else that's got the lead in, in a project at work or in your home or at the church. Uh, at the church, and it can create this whole. It can put a uh, almost a, a stifling effect in the whole atmosphere. Yes, you're now operating in that realm. That is the spirit of witchcraft. Why is that? Because witchcraft is manipulation and control. Right. Witchcraft is always about manipulation control. There's witches that that try to uh, attack our ministry. We know this for a fact. Other ministries, we're not the only one. And so we combat that with the love of Christ. We combat that in our prayers to God, in our prayer in unity of the faith with one another. We combat that by not allowing the enemy into our world. And because the Bible says a curse cannot alight without a cause. So if there's no cause, he can't land. We we combat that by also, also shooting arrows sometimes as the Lord directs into their camp 
and it destroys them. But the truth of the matter is, it's because they want to manipulate and control. The enemy is using them for that for that matter. And rebellion can go through a church and split a church, right. split it wide open, and in some cases, and in a lot of cases, destroy the church. Right. The church never comes back from it right. because the pastors understand he's not. He's not dealing with just flesh and blood. He's dealing with principalities and powers now because of the flesh or the soul realm, I should say, the soul of a person in rebellion that has now opened the door for the enemy to come and attack that church. Split it wide open. Nobody knows. There's confusion. There, there, nobody knows what's going on, so on and so forth. I, I, I was thinking about this today about Absalom and how Absalom was the son of David and he felt he was the rightful um, heir to the throne. And yet there was other brothers and, and that, that also could be king. But he, he fancied himself as being a specific kind of person. The Bible says he's a good-looking guy and that he had long, long locks like a woman, beautiful hair. And, you know, a lot of times pride can be in someone's appearance or, you know, in this case, it would be his hair. He obviously took good care of it. He obviously got compliment. The Bible talks about his hair. So obviously he was known for his hair. Interestingly enough, he, st he sets himself up, Absalom, and this is what an Absalom spirit will always do, will set themselves up saying, I know better than the king knows. I know better than the pastor knows. I know better than the leader knows. And so what I'd like for you to do, he started, the Bible says, winning the hearts of Israel by standing at the gate. So he was between the king, and this was unauthorized. David never authorized this. He's between the king and the people. He says, go to me. You know, my dad... He's kind of busy and, you know, he's got better things to do. And, you know, that's kind of how he feels about you. And so, um, but I'll kiss the babies. I'll hug the necks. I'll pray for you. I'll visit you. I'll make sure you have a meal. And now he don't do that kind of stuff, but I'll do that for you. And the Bible says he won the hearts of Israel. So now he feels like he's got a shot right. to overtake the kingdom. He puts together a small army. They find out about it, of course. And um, Joab, who is the leader of the army of, of David's um, David's troops, um, uh sought to to bring him in you know to have him brought in and, and questioned and and everything else so they fought a battle well you know absalom ran for his life and the bible says that as he was running uh for his life on his horse joab was following him hard hard that he went into those um what kind of trees were they do you remember what kind of trees they were i don't remember and they're a certain kind of tree right. that they have crooked uh, uh you know branches and stuff he went ran into a grove with his horse and the bible says that his horse went right out from under him as his hair got caught in the tree and he was hanging by his pride pride caught him and when joab saw him joab took his life right and you know that's what i'm saying you pride goes before the fall it ends up in absolute destruction right. lucifer the son of the morning in the word of god uh, the Bible says he fell into pride and he fell into rebellion. And as he was in a rebellion, rebellious state, the, the Bible says he drew one third of the stars of heaven or the angels of God. He was haughty because he was so beautiful. He was so gifted. He was the anointed cherub, the Bible says, that covered the throne of God. Only one had that responsibility. And in that responsibility, the Bible says that the glory of God would come from God and his throne. And it would, it would, it would, I don't know how it worked, but it would, it would hit Lucifer. And as he spread his wings out, the glory of God would then hit the rest of all the angels in heaven. And they'd all smack their faces to the ground and worship the Lord. He didn't understand, or maybe he did, but didn't care. He saw everybody would. Every time he opened his wings or opened his mouth, timbrels and music came out of him and everybody bit it. But the glory was not his. The glory came from God. He was only the reflection. Like the moon is only so beautiful at night because of the sun. Right. Without it, we wouldn't even know there's a moon in the air. Right. You know, one of the most common scripture verses <clears throat> that, you know, 
I, I think, you know, uh, when we talk about unity or we talk about disunity is in Proverbs 6 and 16 through 20. Yeah. When it talks about there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and number seven, a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Mm. And that word conflict means to fight or battle or struggle. And what I thought was interesting with the definition, and it says, especially a prolonged struggle. Mm. Because when I, I, you know, when, when you talk about rebellion, you know, rebellion doesn't come in just, you know, overnight and just comes in and, you know, and takes over. Rebellion starts very slow. It's a very prolonged, um, you know, um, act. And mm-hmm. that's how, you know, Lucifer was able you know, how do you get a thousand angels Didn't to happen change? Overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. No. It's that, you know, that conflict that comes in and it's that disunity that comes in and it's that bit by bit by bit that now all of a sudden is full blown. And the Lord says, I detest that. I hate that when there is that disunity right. that comes in to disrupt what God has planned for his people. Well, I don't know. You didn't see my note, but if you look right there, that was my third point. The third thing that brings destruction is strife. And um, we see that, by the way, real quick, Proverbs 3.11 says, my son despised not the chastening of the Lord. The, basically, um, that means little spankings from the Lord. Uh, Neither be weary of his correction. We should be always open for God's correction. Never so haughty, prideful, and rebellious that we don't receive the, the, receive instruction from the Lord. Um, and instruction from the Lord many times comes through His leaders. And sometimes, I know you and I, that's not the best part about our job. We love, when we say job, we just call it that kind of in fun. It's the ministry, it's our life, it's what we do. The last thing we want to do is correct people. Because well, they're grown adults, you know, but that's part of our job. It's part of what the Holy Spirit, he wants us to do. So we preach the word of God. That same word brings the same conviction to us, folks, as it does to anyone else. And so we're, we're just as, we're just as, um, uh, we're just as, as open to be rebellious and prideful and filled with strife as anyone else is. And so we have to constantly be corrected. Course corrections, like the captain that has the, the has the wheel of the ship, he's got to make those small corrections in order to get to his destination. Very, very, very important. But strife is what you were alluding to there with that scripture. Right. I, mean, I think I used to have that scripture. Right. Um, and I just have one little scripture to talk about, but uh, it says Proverbs 8, 28, 25, he that is of a proud heart stirs up strife. But he who puts his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. Hallelujah. Which means he'll be made plentiful. He'll have plenty. Um, and so, but strife is um, is such a weapon of the enemy uh, to keep things going over a period of time um, of disagreements and um of uh of seeing things differently. It's a it's I know that even if you see things the right way, you can still it can still be involved in strife because my I get in a place where you know I, I you know I remember here I'll say this I remember uh, preaching uh, to the people this was like weeks of doing this and I I I I noticed I was getting kind of aggressive you know with my preaching toward our church and um, but everything I was preaching was the word of God so it wasn't like I was preaching my own word but I got my, into my emotions into the soulish realm. Because I got into my emotions of what I was saying, 
And it was in the soulish realm. It brings in a place of manipulation and control. Right. And you'll see preachers do it. Right. Preachers do it all the time. And so, but you got to come a break, cut them a break. They'll learn, they'll grow. And if they don't, then you got to go. But because you shouldn't be under that kind of control. But it's that we see things in the, in the body crisis not changing. It's like, my God, I've been up here preaching for how many years now? And we still got people acting the fool in the church and do, you know, acting up and not doing what God says. God makes me do it. By God, I'm going to make you do it too. And you get that spirit on you, and you just want to you want to put it out there like, you know, this is what God says. You're going to go to hell if you don't do it the right way and all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember the Lord spoke to me, and he said, Son, I do not want you starting a war with the people over my word. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll deal with them. That's my job. Your job is to preach it. And preach it like everybody's living it. So you preach it with the spirit of gladness as a reminder almost. Because then you won't get in your emotions. And so I've, I've strived to do that. But man, if that's not the area of strife. So actually a pastor of a church that loves God, loves his people, wants to go in the right direction, and even has the word of the Lord, can actually operate in strife. Right. Because it's it's contentious. It's contentious. And it's 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 filled with um, manipulation and control. Right. It's 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 a hard thing. It's how it's how we say things. Mm-hmm. And you know, and you can say something because, you know, you're just gonna listen to me and this is, you know, this is just what I'm gonna say. Or you can temper that with love and you can temper that with kindness and and I think right now there's been so much strife that is going on and it's even entered into the church. Yeah. And and in that strife because everybody wants to fight for their thoughts, their pick a side. feelings. Yeah, yeah, fight. Yeah. Right. Pick a side. You know, <clears throat> I feel it's this and I feel it's this. You know, um, and there's nothing wrong with picking a side because no. there is a right side and there is a wrong exactly. side. It's how you deal with it. It's how right. we deal, and we are to stand up. We are to absolutely take a stand. And there's some things that, you know, um, you no matter what you say, you're not going to move me because the Word of God says this, and I'm going to stand with the Word of God. But that doesn't mean we have to fight. That doesn't mean that we have to exchange That's right. words. We can still love each other, but we're going to stand with what the Word of God says. Philippians 127, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Sometimes there's so much fighting that's been going on, and it's about things on earth. Right. And we're not thinking as citizens of heaven. And when we get the perspective that we are a citizen of heaven yes. and we are doing kingdom business, then we will operate, we'll say, and mm-hmm. we'll do in a kingdom way right. and not in an earthly way. But it says, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together in one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, right. which is the good news. That's the stand that we're supposed to take. And yeah. that's the the um the fight that Continue. we're supposed to be in yes. not of a place of strife but in a place of we are going to fight together for the good news of Jesus Christ because we are citizens of heaven and as citizens of heaven now our goal has to be who can we get in on this planet 
to also become a citizen of heaven. And you're not going to do that if you're operating pride and in rebellion right. and you're strife. operating in strife. Right. Powerful. I, and, and, you know, honestly, I know we're running out of time, but, you know, one of the things that the Lord has been given to me that I've been given to the church here and there as he leads me, um, and that's talking about just freedom. And I think that's one thing that everybody can agree on, whether it's freedom in Jesus Christ or it's freedom in America or freedom for folks around the world. Uh, America has been a beacon of light for, you know, all these years, and and um, especially since World War II, um, where we became more prosperous than we've ever had, became, we became the pro- most prosperous um, nation on the face of the earth, which gave us the ability to preach the gospel in, in, in ways that we we couldn't imagine before and touch places and build missions and dig wells and you know, just win people to Jesus all over the world, but it's because of our freedom. And one of the things we we've, we've I can rally around. I watch with our people. It's not contentious to say when it comes to the vaccination. Now, when we put vaccination up, that becomes a contentious word. But we start talking about. Wait a second. It's not right that the government can make us do this. We have a right with our own bodies to say what goes in it, what doesn't go in it. And man, the people stand up and they applaud that and they clap. And these are people from all walks of life, different. You know, people that are Democrat, Republican, or, you, you know, what's the other one? Um, um, independent, um, libertarian, all that. These are all walks of life, and they're all standing up because it's right. It's the right thing to do. So, wow, we found common ground. Maybe in the political realm, we didn't have common ground, but we found common ground here. Another one I found out in our church is the CRT stuff, the critical race theory. Um, man, I haven't found anybody who's for it. And if they are, I, I mean, I don't know who you are, and I'd ask you not to write me a nasty letter, praise God, but <laughs> so we can stay in unity. But um, again, what does that do? It's all about disunification. It's all about strife and division. It's saying this race thinks this way about you. And so you'll never get ahead because of that race. Are you kidding me? What kind of teaching is this? It's utter nonsense out of the pit of hell. We can't go back and redo um, the past. We were doing as a nation incredible when it came to race. Incredible. This generation, honey, that's coming up right now, they don't even know what we're talking about. The kids that are under the age of 14 or 15, 13, 14, 15 years old, they don't live in the same world we're living in. They're going, my best friend's black and I'm white. And I didn't, I didn't even know we we're supposed to have a problem. They don't live like that. But what happened was the devil got involved. We voted in a black, uh, 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 a black um, president of the United States in America not once, twice. That, was un, that would have been unheard of in the 60s and 70s, but here we are. We were making incredible strides. And then the enemy came in and said, I, I got to divide them. I got I to gotta stir up all those emotions. Now we're, now we're going a different direction, but right. I got to stir up these. I got to get back in the soul realm. Right. People's minds, their will, and their emotions. To and bring what is, the disunity. To bring it through what? Manipulation and right. control. He uses the media. He uses government. He uses people. He uses memes. <laughs> you know, and, that's, he, and that's why, you know, it's it, the word of God is so important. I, 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 you know, just have really just fallen in love with his word Amen. again, Amen. because I have found that there's so many different opinions out there and there's so many different things that you can hear in so many different directions. Everybody wants you to go in, but when you have the anchor of the word of God, that means that you can hear these opinions and you can hear what's being said and you can see what's being done, but you can go back to the truth of the word of God and you can anchor all those things together. And if we, as especially as believers, 
If we take the word of God and we begin to operate in that word of God, you're going to find unity. You're going to find, you know, even Jesus, you know, he's coming to that place of crucifixion and yet his prayer was to his father, we are one. Yes. And I want these people. I, I want, pray that they're one. I, we I are. want those that yeah. are coming up behind to be as one the way that we are one. Amen. And and how is that? Because God, he, you know, he's the word. He is word. He is the word. So as we are, you know, just make sure that we are spending time in the word of God, that's where you're going to find the unity. And, the, and, and, you know, I was just thinking this, um, really quick. I was just, uh, I saw our son-in-law, he cre- he's so creative. He paints and builds and all this kind of stuff, but he had built this thing, um, out of Legos. It was a star Wars you know, spacecraft kind of a thing. And when you got up close to look at, when you're far away, this thing, it just looks like one piece. But when you got up really close, you saw how many hundreds of pieces that it took to make this thing. And that's unity. Mm -hmm. That's all of us coming together the way God has created us to be. We're the Legos. Hey, the word's called the Logos. We're the Legos. It's the Legos. Legos. Um, Our granddaughter, she loves Legos, and and she was given a set, and it was way too advanced for her. It has way too many parts. But every time she comes over, she sees the box, and she's just like, let's build this. Well, the problem is, is I know half the pieces are missing. And she shows me the picture, and build this. Let's build this. And I'm like, we can't because some of the pieces are missing. And that's the thing. We don't want missing pieces. We need every single person you know, to come together, the lost, the born again, to come together, to become the citizens of heaven that we were created to be, to come together in unity, because that's where the power is going to be. That's where the love is going to be. And that's where we're going to be the most effective to reach this world for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, literally to die on that cross. Um, to bring unity to people, Lord God, and it's called your church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. I guess I mentioned that more than anything else, Lord God, we do because this is what we're called to do. We're leaders in the household of faith. And so we lift up your people today, Lord God, and we ask right now that you begin to impart this word even deeper into them. Those that took the time to listen, Lord God, let it become a, an incredible revelation to them. They don't have to fight for themselves. They, their, their opinion doesn't have to be higher than somebody else's to be important, that they don't have to walk in the area of pride and rebellion and strife and and the things that we talked about today. But Lord, they can be set free even today in the name of Jesus Christ. That rebellion has to go right now in Jesus' name. That strife and pride must go now in Jesus' name and that the sense of humility and humbleness would come upon us, that you would put, that you would unify us. As Jesus prayer, prayed, we pray. Our prayer is that you would make us one. That you would unify your people, Lord God, to do great and mighty things and exploits for you. Because if we don't unify, Lord God, we're going to be so limited in what we can do. And so we thank you, Lord God, that today our church, especially our church, Faith Builders, but the churches um, around America and around the world would be unified for the common purpose of heaven of Jesus, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ being spread to family members and neighbors and loved ones all over the world, Father God. Unify your church, I pray. Open the eyes of the rebellious and the prideful. I, I thank you, Lord God, that you're doing it in Jesus' precious name. And that, God, we would that we would have a new sense of love and respect and honor towards leadership in the house of God and also toward one another, I pray. 
Lord God, let those words go forth to break the power of the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, we love you. Make sure you like and share this and That's right. you know, listen to it a couple times. Get it in your heart because like you said, holidays are coming up yes. and we need to be ready with some unity. Yes. Unity <laughs> is so important, especially during the holidays. We love you. God loves you. And we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.